Welcome back to Movie Trailer Reviews Podcast. Your host Chris here with Ro, and uh, we are doing our TIFF 2021 coverage remotely. Uh, the first one up for us is The Guilty. A demoted police officer assigned to a call dispatch desk is conflicted when he receives an emergency phone call from a kidnapped woman. The director is Antoine Fuqua, and it stars Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, there's others in this film, but it's pretty much just Jake Gyllenhaal, although I just realized that Peter uh, Sarsgaard was uh, the voice of Henry. Um, what's interesting about this movie, <laughs> so before they played it, to, at least on the digital platform, they had Antoine Fuqua come out, come out and talk about it. And this film was clearly, you know, uh, one of those films that uh, was relied, filmed, early, I guess, early in the pandemic during heavy COVID restrictions. Um, and it's interesting watching films and TV shows now uh, where you can see those that did that. So you can, you can see the COVID protocol where it's like, oh, there's literally only two people in the room. Or this per- is pretty much everything's done remotely. And you can just tell that. So, um, yeah. What do you think of this film? I actually um, was rather surprised. I, I made a point of not really looking at anything about it because um, I'm starting to realize that how people are writing their descriptions for COVID films or COVID filmed films are super heavy handed. And yeah. I don't enjoy that. Um, but I was I was pleasantly surprised. I did also know for me, it was like I was like, oh, I've never seen a room that's open cubicle that that's got that much room. <laughs> The desk. I'm like, this is a delightful workplace. <laughs> but um, it had tension. It had movement. I think it was a, uh, it was a really interesting way to address a story out of like the call center setting, the emergency call center setting, because we've seen a couple of those, and they're all movies that quickly try to get you into the field to have one that stayed at the desk that was Mm -hmm. from the screen was really interesting to me and i always enjoy jake gyllenhaal especially when he's conflicted and 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 a bit of an asshole no he uh he takes actors ass off man like yeah like jake jake be having fun you can tell jake likes likes being an actor because jake be jake be acting his ass off and this is another one of those films that heavily relies on jake being jake and definitely Demented Jake is the best Jake. So Demented Jake is the best Jake. And putting Jake in the role of a cop who's already in trouble. Yeah. But still thinks people should do things how he says. I that he still knows best. What I appreciate this so when this film started and I was watching it, and again, Antoine can be kind of hit or miss with some of his films, right? Let's just can we just can we be honest about that? We can we can acknowledge can that we, Mr. Fuqua, who I still would feel like he owes me <laughs> some moments of my life back for the infinite, um, is most assuredly the hit or the miss. Yeah, I mean, so we can admit Mr. Fuqua has some. Hit or miss. Yeah. yeah. And, and especially when you're dealing with a film like this, where you have a cop who thinks he's a super cop and you can, you, you can, you can tell what he's probably been benched for. Like when, when it's finally revealed, I'm like, yeah, of course, of course. That's what it was. Right. Like, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Makes yeah, sense. yeah. 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 Make, makes fucking sense. Right. So I'm not gonna lie. I was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised by this film because it's not, and and I understand this, and we have to talk around this because I'm not trying to spoil this or anything like that. But it's right, not a cop. Apo- yeah, go ahead. 
I was going to say, right, because it had its world premiere at TIFF, but it's getting a limited theatrical release as of September 24th. And you will be able to see The Guilty on Netflix as of October 1st. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, so this is, this film is not the cop apologist film you think it is, which is good because you have the, quote, hero that you're in the main character here is this, um, this this cop Joe Baylor, played by Jake, um, who is a complete asshole, completely unlikable. Thinks he's a super cop. Thinks he knows everything and thinks he can control everything. And there's actually twists and turns in this film, which I wasn't expecting. Um, there to be this many twists and turns in this kind of film uh, mm-hmm. with these kind of restrictions. And like I said, I I appreciated where it went. You know, I'll, I'll put it that way. Like. I right. was really ex- you see these kind of films, you know, and all I just realized, yeah, you, all the time. And you're like, "Huh, oh, well, here we go. And we're going to okay, we're going to reward the bad behavior, but this film there's a lot of time like I don't I don't know who was oh, yeah, oh. Divine Joy Randolph. Oh. Okay. Hmm? D- um uh Lady Reed from um uh, Dola is my name with the CH, uh, the, the CHPD dispatcher. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The one that kept, <laughs> kept giving Joe the business. So, I mean, and there's plenty of these, these moments here where, you know, Jake gets a little humbled a little bit, right? And, right. and you need that. And in this day and age when everybody's like, oh, cops are heroes and all this other. Well, you need some humbling of some of these fucking cops, right? Well, well I also think it plays into the fact that, you know, from the other side of the bias, when you think when you think and you talk about American policing, we talk a lot about, you know, training and tactics and equipment and the next new thing and the mm-hmm. trend that they're going to have them on. That's going to fix the problem. But we never really. When you we get these movies that are supposed to be anti copaganda but still dealing with cops, we still never really get what it means for the wrong kind of personality to be the one getting that training, to be the one empowered to making those decisions, to be put into a position mm-hmm. of authority. You know, so this is a demoted, or at least I don't even know if you can call what he is is demoted. Well, is is that clear? So first of all, like I was already kind of like tapping my foot and kind of upset. Cause here's this motherfucker that you know have done something wrong, but they don't fire him, put him, put him home. He's moved to the dispatch to to dispatch center in in the right. APD. So I'm already like, and then just the <laughs> I was watching this my girlfriend, right? Even she said at one point she looked at me going was like. Doesn't this motherfucker know that these calls are recorded? Like, <laughs> how is he not fired right? today? I'm, like, it, it's it's that kind of like you're actually at some point you're actually infuriated. That's going like, did he just tell this dude who got in a bike accident to not to not ride his bike drunk or something like that? I'm like, he really you did. He's like, he, call, he told him the motherfucker to call an Uber. I'm just like, you. Mm. <laughs> I don't get out, get out your car. Right. You know, it's just these, but that's the thing that I really liked about this is because of the kind of cop that they, they put together Mm -hmm. is he, he was actually had a complex dichotomy that didn't sit where you usually get for these characters. So it made it a a little bit of a different backdrop just for the perspective of the cop. You like, you could come into this. It's like, you know, so I guess we're calling him demoted, but there's clearly a controversy, which everybody Mm -hmm. who, I don't know. The only people who may be surprised about what the controversy is are probably going to be white. And that's not shade on them. It's simply because of the nature of the bubble 
that they live in, right? They think, right. well, if he had done something really bad, he wouldn't still be working. So this is one of the first times that we actually see what it means when they, quote, put them on desk duty. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. still in a position of power and authority over other people. They're still making snap judgments at literally judgment calls. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're still dialed into the system. So, you know, how much did we really take them out the game? Like, yes, they're frustrated because they're not on the streets. Yes, they're irritated because they're the ones who aren't walking, like, lead, like running down the leads and in on the action. But what do you think that does to somebody who thinks that they're supposed to be, quote, the law, right? So the way Jake Dillendahl built that into the character from the outset with these mm-hmm. moments where you're like, is they just going to leave him on the phone? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I yeah. mean clearly, it, 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 the, the other operators yeah. don't even like this cat. Right. And that's the thing that got me. Like, it's, it's infuriating because at one point you're watching this movie going, oh, this is a movie, this is a movie. Then you're going like, wait a minute. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. They actually do this shit. Yep. What the fuck? This dude should be nowhere near. Because there are a couple times he's walking around and he, he still has his gun. And I'm like, yeah. oh, 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 someone with that kind of anger should not have a gun. Not in a yeah. closed place with other people. Like, I'm watching the movie going like, he's going to shoot up the office. Is that what this yeah. is? Because I'm not going to lie. For a minute there, when, especially when he first got frustrated with his boss who sits behind him, um, who's mm-hmm. clearly also a cop in the chain of command. So he felt like there should have been a modicum of respect. But you could tell that there was a lot of disdain because mm-hmm. he talked to her in the way that um, street cops talk to cops who they don't think are, quote, real cops because mm-hmm. they work inside. And I was like, is he going to snap? Mm-hmm. Is that what we're watching? Is this why we're getting this from this perspective? Because it's a little bit of a rear view, rear window perspective. Everything that we get, we are clearly the observer. Like the the camera angles they gave us up over the top of the monitor down into his face to the side, you know, sweep around profiles to then when they came in close on him at other angles, everything is still, we are clearly kept as the observer to everything that's going on. And the good thing about what they had to do for the COVID protocols is it gave, it gave you a real kind of sense of 360. So when the person who worked at the, the, the cubicle desk next to him at the next station looked over at him, they were looking from the exact opposite angle that mm-hmm. we were looking with the camera. So you really kind of felt like you was peeping in at this guy's desk. Mm-hmm. I really, really appreciated that. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, you, it's unequivocal that you're allowed to not like this guy. Like quickly out the gate, you're allowed to not like Joe. And then you start to get the sense that how is he still like the first thing you learn about Joe is it's fire season. So the air in L.A. is trash because it's mm-hmm. full of, you know, smoke, ash, pollution. Homie's an asthmatic. Yeah. And it's also what? Probably, you know, COVID time. I was like, I'm not. Look, well, I have well, asthma. I try so hard not to cough when I have to leave my house. Well, I think it's one of the things because 2020 <laughs> was the longest decade ever. We kind of forget that California was on fire before COVID hit. Right. Well, right. before it really started sp- spreading. So like in January of 2020, you know. California was, was burning. Fire. Yeah, California was all on fire, right? We tend to forget that because of the, you know, global pandemic that happened at, right shortly after that. We tend to forget, like, also Australia was on fire right before then, too. So you tend to forget the world was literally burning at a time, right? So, so it, it, I mean, it makes a really, it gives a, it puts an immediate flaw into the backdrop that is California, yeah. right? 
well, from the 911 desk. Well, everything's no, on fire. Well, the, yeah, it's, it's literally the everything. The world is on fire. Everything's on fire, and everything's an emergency. So even when you're now getting into, so even and again, we're not. We can't talk too much about it because there are some good twists and turns here with um the call he takes. But even they're trying to hunt down this kidnapped woman. They're like. Yo, what do you mean to do? Like everybody's on fire duty. Like there's nothing. Yeah. And and we, and we've seen movies like this where uh reduced force or there's another uh, another you know emergency going on. So you have you know a reduced. So we've seen this stuff before. But it's interesting how they put this together in this type of situation and pulled it off again. Partly because we also know you know I'll be honest here. I think and and this is you know again what we have said before about. Richard Foucault in his movies, I honestly think COVID helped this film. Because, it did. Because I'm like, it didn't allow them to do too much. And I feel like what would have happened is we would have, he would have gone too far. It would have been too much. We would have had to do police chases and we would have had to be on the ground. And we would have seen when there were moments when somebody's kicking in a door, we would have to see that versus what we, ha- we were forced to do is you were forced to put Joe in a box. And have mm-hmm. them experience everything from that box. There was not a moment when it's like, you know, we've done these kind of dispatch movies before where somehow the dispatcher gets outside the, the, the dispatch area. Now is on the street themselves, tracking down the kidnapped victim and doing all the stuff themselves, trying to be super cop, right? Doing something that's not that just they shouldn't be able to do. In this Allegary. case, right. We literally had this alibi, right? So, and I feel like if it wasn't for the COVID restrictions, Antoine Foucault would have absolutely had done. And honestly, looking at Jake Gyllenhaal, the way he was in shape, I guarantee that's what the original plan for this movie was, right? Right. He's too in shape. But it made the frustration read so legitimate. Right. It made it so authentic. Exactly. So accidentally, because of the pandemic results, I feel like this movie all of a sudden became better. Because of it, because there were certain things they just were restricted from doing. It also made the movie shorter. It's an hour and a half. You're in and you're out. And I think it raised the tension of the film and it forced them to rethink certain things. It's like, and, and this is not us making this up. I mean, uh, Richard comes on before um, the movie, this movie played at TIFF and said the same thing. It was like, we had to rethink things. We had to, you know, we had to, you know, uh, shoot this film differently because of. Cover restrictions, and I feel like it honestly made this film better. I, I, I right. fear what it would have been if they had had the full capability. Honestly, it would have been less memorable. It honestly would. But have been I also, I also firmly believe that the fact that Mr. Foucault did not edit this movie by himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, I believe, the editor was Jason Valentine from It. Mm. So I think that's also why you get some of those unique angles and those sharp shots and like the the choice of the lighting. It had mood, but it still felt contemporary. But you still always kept almost that that glossy feel like we were peeping in on what was going on and all of it worked. And the sound production worked. The sound production was really good Mm because these are phone calls Mm -hmm. where you need to feel like the world is happening on the other end of the phone call. Right. And it. Yeah. So I really felt that word. And. And again, because it's a 90 minute movie, he couldn't overdo it in the sense that this guy is in trouble. His mm-hmm. life is falling apart. You know, this isn't really a spoiler, but he tries to get a hold to say the good night to his daughter mm-hmm. and his wife doesn't pick up. And that's your first clue. Something's wrong with his marriage. And then mm-hmm. when you see what that kind of rolls out with later and it plays into his anger and where it sits and where his selfishness is and where his bitterness is mm-hmm. and how 
you stop being able to tell if that selfishness and bitterness is the job Mm -hmm. messing with him, which then messes with how he does his job. I'm not gonna lie. At some point, I thought he was on drugs. I I, at one point I I thought uh, he still might be, but I did think. Wait, oh, this motherfucker's listen, on drugs. listen, I live in a military town. I, I oh, didn't okay. presume he was on drugs. I just presumed that he was that <laughs> type of dude. Right. <laughs> it's a difference of, it's a difference of no, where you, it is, it is, it yeah. is, it is. And, but, but like, yeah, yeah, but, but like the, so the kind of misinterpretations or interpretations of situations, um, you know, his, his absolute conviction that he was right and, and, in what he was doing and being read for filth so politely by the other agencies. Like there's one time where he's on the phone with someone who's a CHP and he's trying to be a backseat driver. Mm-hmm. And the cop actually says, don't tell me what the fuck to do, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me how to, don't tell me how to do my job. Right. And you know, this is all the kinds of stuff that people mean when they're saying defund the police. Clearly there needs to be more rotations where they work on all the different areas of -hmm. policing. So they have a better understanding of what teamwork and communication is. Cause this guy felt like, because he said it was important, he said it was urgent. That was supposed to be good enough for everybody else who he touched. And Mm -hmm. the law and the reality of the situation is, is he would be the emotional barometer if he was on the street and what he said would have been good enough. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I mean, there's a moment, there's a moment when he tells somebody, just kicking the door, it's like, man, they're like, man, we don't have a warrant. Yeah, he's like, shit. I'm gonna assume. Yeah. <laughs> what is, like, what you get off assume, work? Yeah, I'm just gonna assume that's your stress talking, because yeah. you didn't ask me to do that, right? Right. And I'm like, it, it, right. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, and when you realize the, the, the rank of who he's talking to when he tried to be all authoritative like that, you're mm-hmm. like, ooh. Yeah, it, it's, you- it's that, and I also think that, you know, Again, the tension gets raised because there's certain times when, because they don't, it, it's it's forced to stay on Jake, right? It's forced to stay in this this one location. When you're listening to what's happening, like, okay, they're going, you know, the police are going into this house. So the people that, uh, the 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 um well, patrol for the welfare check, yeah, for welfare check, are going in and going into to to check into this house. And you're listening just like Jake is, right? Just like, well, just like Joe, Joe is, right? So you're having to, if there's a pause, if there's a gap, he's going, what's happening? You're going, what's happening too? Because you're like... You lean forward. I yeah, lean like, forward. Yeah, like, no, so, so what's going on? And when they're like, hold on a minute, you're like, no, nah, don't hold on a minute. Tell me what the fuck's going on. So you get a little bit of his anxiety too, and you got to calm down. So it really works for this yeah. film and the way they did it. And again, I feel like if they had gone in and cut... If it wasn't for the COVID restrictions, we would have seen those moments and it wouldn't have hit the same way. It, this it just would have been a have. chase film. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think that would have been a complete and utter mistake mm-hmm. because I think that would have opened the door for people to start making certain justifications for Joe that mm, Joe yes, doesn't absolutely. deserve. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So this movie turns out to sort of kind of not be about Joe. Like when you get to the central call, that mm-hmm. is really driving the action and the push. I guess we could say basically he gets a call from someone who is in distress. And it's kind of like the examples that you've seen on Facebook where the person acts like they're talking to someone other than 911. 
And that's how the action kicks off. Mm-hmm. And you see the moment where he starts making assumptions about what's going on. And mm-hmm. his and and then then there's this one moment where he commits not only to his idea of what's happening, but what is supposed to be the outcome. And he gets overly invested. And that's where you start to see what happens when these critical judgments get compromised by your personal baggage. Um, you know, you work in the 911 dispatch center. Why is your phone ringing? Mm. Why are you, why are people, why, Mm -hmm. why are you even capable of getting a personal call during your shift? Right. He doesn't know how to accept help, which should freak you out when you realize that this is a guy who's assigned from being in a patrol car, which means he has a partner, which means he's supposed to be good at relying and working in tandem with someone and having another set of eyes and another set of judgment. Because the one time that someone who's in this job tries to extend him, I, I don't know, the benefit of their expertise, that this is their job every day, he basically kind of, you know, shits on him a little. Mm-hmm. And and I really, really like that when you realize that the the this like I like the guilty because this is the first time I've actually seen a movie where somebody overly commits and gets invested. And when they get broken, it's justified when they end up emotionally broken by the events that are occurring. It absolutely 100 percent is right. It feels right. It makes sense that it's right. And that moment where they blow up and you're just like, you know, these phone calls recorded. Right. And he's um well this is over right i i really appreciated all that so it didn't turn into a good cop in a bad situation movie and i don't and they absolutely would have done that if they taken jack jillenthal out that building because it's jake Mm -hmm. right yeah exactly exactly i mean he didn't he didn't hit the gym for for nothing so you know. No, but he looked good in a cop uniform, and I didn't appreciate that at all. Hmm. How dare? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. What would you give this movie out of ten? <laughs> I, I think this is for me. I think it was like a like a a six and a half, seven out of ten. I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's not perfect. Uh, uh, it didn't feel like a remake or a retread. I think it's a nice open door for a new proving ground for us to talk about policing and tell stories in that milieu and if this is what nick palazzo does who's the the guy from true detective as a screenwriter then i might think that he might be the only guy who i'm okay with watching cop movies from from now on yeah i give it a seven and a half uh like i said i um wasn't expecting much uh but then like so it was already coming in at six and a half or seven because of jake right and so see it it came in at a six because of Jake because it loses a couple points because oh, of so Mr. Fuqua's yeah, problematicness right, for right, me. I'm right. still resentful and mm-hmm, angry, mm-hmm. but he earned those points back. Mm-hmm. I think I could be comfortable and push it to about. I can sit at a seven. I really got yeah. invested in this movie. Yeah, and that's the thing for me. It, it it really you really do. Like I said, there's those moments when you're you're also leaning forward, going like, no, no, seriously, what's happening? Why are we not? Like especially at yeah. the end. At the end, I was like, oh, I don't know. Where, oh I, I didn't know. God. Like the end, like I'm. A, Fair warning, the end is intense. The end Very. Of, Riley the end, Keough is one hell of a voice performer. Oof, man, the end of this the end of this movie is intense as fuck. And I'm not gonna lie, the very end I I really did one of those. I did the I did the uh <laughs> I did the Denzel woo gif. I was like, ooh, yeah, the uh Pull this I, I did a full ass sign of the cross. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you there's a child that. actor in this movie who's playing a six year old. Do mm-hmm. we know who that actress is? Uh, yes. I think I saw that on. 
Uh, 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 I thought I saw that here. Yeah, Abby. Yeah, Christina Montoya. Well, Christina Montoya is a very good voice performer as well because, um, again, there are different phone calls that are all to the central issue that's going on, um, and it plays into it when you realize that earlier when Joe tried to call his daughter to say goodbye and now Mm -hmm. he's talking to somebody else's kid, again, how that magic played in. But a lot of it had to do with how that actress played that Mm -hmm. little girl over the phone, Abby. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Lord, have mercy. But mm-hmm. yeah, and Mr. Skarsgård, he did a good job too. Yeah, Ethan Hawke is in here too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah we I was, they, he's a sergeant, right? He's his boss. Yeah, Sergeant Bill Miller. Yep. Everybody did, like, this is the first time that even without it, I got in, I, like, you, you care. Yeah. Like, like once it hits the breakneck pace and you've got like a terrified woman involved in the mix and that's played by M- Emily. And then you've got the person who you think, or at least Joe thinks is the creator of the bad situation they're dealing with. And I'm just like, I don't trust this guy's judgment. And I said that pretty early. Mm-hmm. And then I started to think I needed to take that back. I started mm-hmm. asking myself questions. I'm like, well, X happened, so maybe that could lead to Y. And I started eliminating alternate, just uh, alternate rational explanations for things, right? And I was like, see, it's about who we put in that uniform. And it's about the care we take of that person who's in that uniform. And the care we take of that person ain't got nothing to do with how many guns and bulletproof vests we give them. And they never beat you over the head with that commentary. Ever. Mm -hmm. But I think this movie does a really good job of talking about the tactical and critical mistakes and errors in policing and, and what we do and how we handle police, how we handle situations where the police are under investigation because this wasn't just some IA investigation. Homie, they kept saying he needed to go to court the next day. Mm -hmm. So it was a big fucking deal. Yeah. And then talking about the ways in which masculinity makes some of y'all have a real hard time admitting that you made a snap judgment and maybe you need to dial it back. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I can say a seven for that. I think, yeah, I can give it that. Mr. Fuqua has uh, redeemed himself for at least 30 of the minutes that he owes me <laughs> with this movie. Yes, I, I'll give him I'll give him a credit for that for that 30. Yeah. But he ain't all the way out the woods because. Yeah, now you didn't see this movie, but there was another movie that kind of dealt with a crisis situation over the phone. And it's called Lakewood. And it has uh, Naomi. What's Naomi's last name? What's that blonde lady's name? It's the one I text you about asking, did you see this damn movie? Yeah, and then you told me I was, I was, luckily I didn't, so. Well, it wasn't that it was a bad movie. It's Naomi Watts. And um, it's shot in Canada. It's by Philip Noyce. So I'm going to tell you right now, it's gorgeous. The movie is beautiful. But Chris Sparling's screenplay might be the whitest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And that's good in the sense that it creates a sense of urgency, but I kept checking out of it because I kept saying there's no, that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. Like this woman is, goes on a run in the middle of her run. 
there's a uh, an all white emergency alert over her cell phone saying that there's a problem at the school, and it turns out there's an actor shooter on campus at the side of the high school. Oh, I know. What you're I you know I did have that. I just no, I forgot to watch it. Yes, you know, under Tomba. Yes. Yeah, I got up. I'm mad because it was the choice between watching Lakewood and watching the other Benedict Cumberbatch movie. And I picked mm. Lakewood because it was shorter and I could get in in the window. I should have picked Benedict Cumberbatch the movie. Mm. I don't know what I was thinking, not going with Benedict when I know I love him. But um, the problem that I had with the movie is I didn't they went they did too much. She was outside. They had her running down a road and mm-hmm. through the woods and, you know, trying to use her phone in an area where there ain't no way in hell she's going to keep a signal mm-hmm. to try to navigate her way through the woods using the GPS that's unreliable to get to an interstate to meet a ride for a car that can't get to her because everything's backed up because there's an active shooter situation at the school. She got trash ass friends because everybody she calls like, I can't come and get you. I've got to go to get to my kid. But they all got to go to the same place. So. <laughs> But then she inserts herself into the the situation with the active shooter. Mm. Yeah. Somehow manages to rally people around and get enough information to try to figure out and do her own sleuthing while in the middle of the woods, while running miles upon miles to try to get to where they're supposed to have the staging area for the parents. And she suddenly gets all of this information to where she can figure out who's in the school. And there are twists and there are turns, but every time she opened her mouth, my child, tell me what's going on, interrupting the cops. So it was a different perspective of the detective trying to figure out what's going on to get these kids out of here safely. And this white woman who is inserting herself in every single way possible mm-hmm. because she has to try to demand control of this situation. Because even though, you know, she's a civilian who works in an office doesn't know anything about policing whatsoever, she gonna somehow be able to save her child from the middle of the Canadian woods. Who's inside would do with AR-15s. And all the messaging was too heavy-handed. Um, all of the overt temps for thrills didn't work. And I really think that if the juxtaposition comes down to it, if you see Lakewood and you've seen the guilty, all of the restraint that Fuqua had to exercise from the van that he was shooting in from down the street because he was in COVID isolation and couldn't even be on site because he got exposed. Hello. Is overdone because Philip Noyce and them were out in a bubble shooting and they had no limitations to what they could have Nomi Watts doing, you know? Mm -hmm. And it just, it, it ended up ultimately being completely and utterly absurd and disrespectful to the type of situation that happens. And it made me, I was like, you out here making me want this cop to tell you to shut the hell up. You got me out here rooting for this cop to tell you to fuck off. And I didn't appreciate that at all. But it's the exact opposite of the reaction of the tension building. And when the tension breaks happened in The Guilty, every single time the tension broke in Lakewood, it reminded you that you were watching a movie and that this premise was ridiculous. So, yeah, it's just kind of like the juxtaposition of what people are doing with their bubbles and their COVID shoots. I think more people should do the way um, the Fuqua method mm-hmm. up to up to and including having um, one of the best editors in the game by your side. But yeah, yep. yeah. So I, I consider the seven for that. Okay. Um, well, uh, stay tuned on movie trailer reviews. We have uh, more reviews from Tiff coming out. So stay tuned for that. Um, and least. keep an eye out for this when it hits Netflix around October yes. 1st. That's a good thing. A lot of them come out on Netflix. We have this. Um, 
We'll talk, we're going to be talking about an encounter, I think, comes on Amazon. I think that's the Amazon mm-hmm. one. Prime. Uh, Amazon right. Prime. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's several coming out. Um, yeah, so stay tuned for those, guys. Um, but, yeah. All right, make sure you subscribe to uh, Movie Trailer Reviews Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify. And we will be back soon. So until next time, we're out of here. Peace. <laughs>